Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Strumming liar. Welcome to Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer with me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. Got a fun show for you tonight with lots of musical guests of a sort, I guess. A lot of robot guests yeah. uh, and some cool historical stuff. You can make robot friends and robot bandmates. Oh, cool. All right. Well, let's get right to it. Why don't you tell people about the discount code? That's right. It's on the show tonight. Tonight's show, the code is REDBUG, 10% off the native fruit store, all the way up to 59 p.m. Eastern Time. We have a gigantic show tonight with a lot of retro stuff, a lot of top secrets, a little bit of a different show. So to celebrate that, use the code REDBUG on checkout. To talk about some of our live shows, including Show & Tell, uh, JP and Aaron just hosted, and uh, I had a project that I'm going to talk about that was on the Show & Tell. Super cool. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to go over Desk of Lady Ada and some of the great search that we did this week, JP's product pick of the week. Um, and then we have a big retro tech section because it is Marchintosh. We're going to do some factory footage, so 3D printing, IMPI, and then set a new product this week because we're going to double up the new products next week. We're going to have a huge top secret section this week, so stay tuned for that. We're going to answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord or discord.gg slash Adafruit. That's where we collect all the questions and we answer them throughout the show, but mostly towards the end of the show. So put them up there and we'll answer them. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. So Lady Ada, the code is uh, Redbook. We'll talk about why it's Redbook soon. People get free stuff as they add things to their cart that helps pay the bills here. An independent venture, capital free, loan free, um, independent woman-owned manufacturing company had no banking issues over the last couple of weeks that's mm -hmm. kind of nice um because we're supported by y'all so when you add stuff to your cart what do you get first ada bank republic um okay starting off uh 99 or more we're still giving away pro and proto half-size breadboards a great little giveaway to take your solderless breadboard projects and making them permanent 149 or more we've got the pink KB2040, I will say we're about to run out of the pink version. We'll be going back to Adafruit Black. So if you love PCBs, pink circuit boards, order 149 or more at the Adafruit shop and we'll toss one of these in for free. We actually had someone say, hey, I want to do a project in my controller. And they're like, wait a minute, I got a free KB2040. Can I use that? And I said, yeah, the project you want to build, you could use the KB2040. They were like, yeah. We're making it too easy again. We're making it too easy. Yeah. Now we just send you stuff that, you know, that you're know that you going to need eventually. Before no you what. even need it. Before you even need it. That's how it goes. $199 or more UPS free ground shipping in the content United States. And $299 or more while supplies last. We still have a bunch of Circuit Playground Expresses. We're making them as fast as we can. Uh, it's our favorite my controller circuit board. Um, having this back in stock shows that nature and uh, electronics are healing because we can get parts again. <laughs> There's a lot of parts on this board. Yeah. LEDs, sensors, buttons, speakers, capacitive piezos, all this good stuff um, free with your order. All right. Two ninety nine more. We do a bunch of live shows. In fact, just finished up the show and tell. You can watch it on any place where we publish videos, which is pretty much everywhere. Um, Lots of projects, gonna watch the rest of it, but there was uh, one in particular that I figured we would talk about now because the guide's gonna be going up soon. Yes. And I'm going to have to send a time-coded URL of a video to someone who's being jerky. 
So this is the pro this is the idea behind a project that we're doing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on with AI. It's actually not really AI right now. It's a language model. It does a prediction of the next word that's going to come along. There's like a token in the cloud somewhere, and um, it's just it's just good at piecing together text that humans can like. Oh, this is this is the words, and so one of the ideas we had was well, this is great for telling stories you know, fiction. Yeah, making that stuff. <laughs> making up stuff, because that's what it's good at. So we thought, oh, this would be neat. So you could um, have a animatronic teddy bear and you'd say, tell me a story about, you say your kid's name and a unicorn, and then it makes a short story and, and reads it. And if you remember things from um, earlier in life, uh, in, in decades ago, there was Teddy Ruxpin, you put tapes in it. There was 2XL. Um, that was your best friend. I have, we have a 2XL video. It was an 8-track tape. Um, and then there were things like, uh, the, the movie AI and there was, uh, the, the, there was a bear in that, um, super toys. So, uh, we have a little demo of, um, Melissa's working on this with a Raspberry Pi, the speech recognition, but I want everyone to remember that these are going to happen and you can build your own and maybe you should, because maybe you'll want to have control over what information uh, it's generating and the stories and the, the, the if the microphone's on or not. Yeah. So we have an IoT Bill of Rights that we wrote probably 10 years ago now um, that eventually it gained a little traction. We started to notice some devices have an off switch, so you physical off switch, so you know there's no microphone. Um, but our the idea is like, as always, these technologies come along. We want people to be able to make their own things. And um, there'll be lots of different ways to do this. So, uh, and there's, of course, an open source way to do it. So we'll have that. Um, pretty soon, um, but just want to make sure folks know that the idea is you make this type of thing yourself and- You can hack it, mod it. Yeah, and so um, I think there's a lot to 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 learn and understand with these yeah. large language models, um, but we have, a, we always have a kind of a different take on things, which is, this is more like, you know, skateboarding. It's like, oh, watch us do this trick with this thing. And it's good at like, generating fiction stories so <laughs> like why don't we have it make fiction stories yeah um so you can get there was this like time for the last not it hasn't been recently but like like five ten years ago it's all about like you you are a storyteller like everyone's like it's all about storytelling it's like yeah. well here we have a storyteller otherwise yeah. it's like a bullshit artist yeah and so um i think it's kind of neat and i think that that that's that's the way you know we don't do like um uh fighting robots and stuff like that plenty of people do it super cool um we like to do like robots that like paint or do art or you know like robot companions or like a, the video that you saw in the beginning um it could be a band member and the robot can make music with you so this is similar we want maybe robots to be uh companions to tell you stories and um kind of combine lots of different things and make it very personalized with like maybe your kid's name. Um, and it doesn't need to be internet connected too. You can have all this stuff happen. And yeah, there's local LMs too. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, um, let's uh, talk about Desk of Lady Ada. So that's every Sunday. Um, we do it in two parts. Would you show up this week? Uh, show some of the stuff that's coming soon, including the USB host feather. I did a little demo uh, showing it reading HID data from an SNES like joystick type yeah, thing. We have some top secret videos that we'll show. Yeah, we'll show so longer too. videos um, with me explaining what's going on. And then I stuff the IntelliKeys, um, which is kind of neat. And we'll, we'll be using that with the USB host shield and also some e-ink demos uh, with the new e-ink feather uh, prototype as well. 
All right, then we do the great search. That's when you use your power of engineering to help people find things on digikey.com. What did you help people find this week? Um, so this is following up on last week's video where I showed how to find a UFL to SMA adapter for attaching a antenna to our LoRa or RFM 1669 900 megahertz. Um, uh, feather rp2040 board so this time i was like okay let's do the second half which is how do you locate a good quality whip antenna and you know i do a 15 second introduction to how to you know spec an antenna um and already we had to delete comments of people being like you do not get every possible detail correct about antennas yes it is a 15 second quick overview <laughs> um, i mean you didn't you didn't uh... i do not teach the entire semester of 6013 really? you know um propagation of electronic i want my i want my money back magnetic, from, from that from that youtube short i know <laughs> um fit unless it's a TikTok, it's it's probably not a full education but uh you do get some ideas of what what to look for and um what to look for in the data sheet as well for getting antennas it'll get you started then you can always optimize and iterate all right and then every tuesday we do jp's product pick of the week here's a highlight from this week that's my product pick of the week this week. It is the return of the Cutie Pie Sam D21. Some of the things I love about it, one, USB-C. Two, the fact that it is USB HID compliant all the way through, so you can do MIDI projects with it, keyboard projects with it, mouse projects with it. Also, because of the Stemma QT port on there, you can plug in the many, 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 many I squared C peripherals that are available out there, and especially the ones that have that Stemma QT port, it makes it plug and play. WeChuck adapter lets you use various Nintendo accessories uh, and a little OLED display. So you can see no soldering, just plugging and playing, and you can get a project up and running. That is my product pick of the week this week. It is the Cutie Pie Sam D21 Cortex M0. All right, and don't forget on Thursday, JP's workshop, and then on Friday, we have Deep Dive with Tim. So, um, big signals. All right, all month long is March and Tosh. It's also Women's History Month. There's also something going on every single day um we wanted to do like the museum of uh technology maker stuff like here's every arduino board um electronics and computers that uh influenced us and obviously max yeah especially old max i think helped get us a lot of us here yeah um hypercard we talked about last week yes um and just like really weird stuff in fact the stuff that we're trying to do for March and Tosh, which is a month-long celebration of, of Retromax, is kind of the weird stuff. So the first thing that I wanted to show is the uh, Quick Take camera. Um, the Quick Take, yeah, I got it. Is, uh, it. It's the Quick Take 150. And this was digital cameras years ago. And if you look on 
Flickr, they have every Apple camera, which is all phones now, but then there's three at the bottom and there's, I think, three pictures that were posted in the last year and it's from our camera. <laughs> so we still, we still have it. It's like 26, it's 26 years old. JPEGs have JPEGs. Yeah, 27, 26, 27 years old. That format in a while. Yeah. So let's watch the video. We have a, we, we, we photographed the artist <laughs> and then there's a, there's a little, um, commercial. One of the things that I'm doing as we publish these stories and these old retro photos and um, people are sharing their experiences. I'm trying to dig up the old ads of uh, what they what what they were saying. Like this is the future, and see how it mat uh, matches up to you know today's expectations and more. So here's the uh, first one. Before, after, before, after, before. How do you get from before to after? Simple. Introducing the Apple Quick Take Digital Camera. It makes everything you do look better than before. And that was the uh, manual that you can check out as well and so this uh do you know what this is <laughs> uh, this looks like it like what is it like a trash can is it, no it's a uh Roomba no what <laughs> this is the calls Roomba this is the first Apple wireless trash can no um this is a speaker that goes along with the 20th anniversary Mac mm -hmm. and uh yeah and uh it's really uh, a beautiful machine they did this we have a video with uh Johnny Ive and from a long time ago and you can see all that went into it had look at that fan Ethernet. by the way look at that yeah. fan there that's like they would not let you do that now yeah um all the tam and there's these this giant umbilical cord style the <laughs> connector is yeah yeah the connector is like what it's like what aerospace monstrosity is it yeah, yeah. and they like spdif did not exist they really loaded up it cd-rom and had tv tuner ethernet um it was neat and so it on it though uh there was a when you started it up there was this rendering like state of the art at the time this like you know three you guys see this this 320 by 240 rendering so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna play the entire thing it's just i'm gonna play some of it it's it is so 90s and everything about it is 90s i love it um and so we're gonna play that but check out uh we're doing most of this on tumblr so check out adafruit.tumblr.com and uh i can just smell the rc cola yeah and uh Heads. yeah we'll 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 come back after this this Snap video and, and show you some other stuff but it's really neat to take a look at really big at, at how far we've come so here we go there are some things in life that capture one's soul like design that goes beyond the ordinary, compelling beauty and grace, a sweeping curve, the perfect line. In the pursuit of design, humankind continues to make better and more elegant solutions. From furniture to architecture to the tools we use every day, the unity of form and function can't help but make an impact on our lives. Balance. Contrast, texture, 
color, and some deeper meaning. Art is design. Design is art. Life is kept exciting by the discoveries that emerge. They keep us looking forward, reaching for new ideas and innovations. Apple's 20th anniversary Macintosh, a design for the future. Hey, Steve, what do you want to put on the center there? I don't know. Let's put another little one in the middle. Okay, that's fine. All right, so that's uh, that's the 20th anniversary uh, Mac. And uh, more ahead. We have uh, more days in the month. So the next thing, and this I thought would be a special treat for y'all out there and for our lady data. This is the Apple II reference manual sent us by a kind person. I didn't ask them if we could say who sent it to us, but we have um, the Red Book. And this was, uh, I'll just show some of the pages. Yeah. It's actually handy when we do the um, floppy disk. 1978. No, it's been. It was like, this was like sent out with like the. It's a manual. Yeah. You know, you want, here's your computer. You get some schematics. So I'm going to go to the. It's Apple part number four. Yeah. <laughs> 1978. And uh, lots of neat stuff. Here's uh, here's some. Oh, no. What happened here? Oh, I didn't do that. I don't know. Mm. Well. Let me turn it back off. off well. Let's see what's going on here. Oh. That's not a good overhead. Yeah, no. who knows? Let's see. Well, luckily we just posted up photos and everything. Unknown why why it doesn't have any signal on our. That's weird. Our overhead. Little overhead. It's our new overhead too. Little overhead. Maybe I'll try now. Well, we also have a sticker. So well, I love that half of this is assembly code. Oh, it's literally this assembler, like in the back, hand drawn. Signal. I don't like this. There should be signal. There's no signal. Main screen turn on. Yeah. Well, the other thing it could be. And uh, did I kick something? Maybe. What? No, I don't think so. But I'm kind of determined now. Okay. Oh, hey. Nice. That's right. Did you just unplug it and plug it back in again? I defragged the hard drive. You know, form follows function, yeah. and function follows form. And sometimes you just have to read the HDMI. Is cable. Design. Yeah. <laughs> I do have this giant cable that kind of runs everything. Yeah. Uh, anyways, thanks for bearing with us. Um, our kid is teething, too. I think she was gnawing the wires. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So why don't you find a schematic page? I think the... Well, this is just cool. So can I just show, like, there's, like, they're, like, hey, by the way, here's, like, a mini assembler, and they just have, like... Here you go, just type this in. Just type this in. Like what what was what's the what's the thought process here? I don't know. Um yes, this is their mini assembler by uh S. Wozniak. Yeah. And A bomb. So that's kind of cool. So they have a couple different they have the pseudo machine interpreter. Here's the floating point routine, so that's kind of cool. Neat. This is by Wozniak, nineteen seventy-seven. Yeah. And you're probably wondering, boy, it'd be great if I can get a copy of this. Don't worry, you can't. We link to um, archive.org where there's a copy the, of it. This is all the um, assembly instructions and the flags and you know jump and whatever. Okay, here's the hardware, system timing and schematics. So they're like, here's how you put it together. Okay, no problem. Here's you just put it just put it together. Oh, you start with the preliminary manual. Okay, so this is AC line, and they're like. Here's some RF modulators you can use. Oh, do you want to maybe hide us? Because we're in the way of the, the cool text. Um, yeah, so you can get like the Pixieverter. 
That's a cool name, the Pixie Voter. Or the Arf Modulator from Grilling Game. Um, so they're like, here's how you... It's interesting, it's like, you know, there's no drawings, because it's really... There, there's some in there. There's some, but there's not a lot. Uh, so they're like, here's how you can wire stuff together. Here's how to connect um, RS-232. And they're like, yeah, no problem. You're just going to get, like, a little piece of strip board, wire up a little resistor to, you know, level shifter bias, bias transistor. And here's a uh, teletype routine that you could uh, code in if you wanted to connect to uh, teletype. Let's see. And then here's the layout of the main board. Oh, beautiful. It is a beautifully laid out board. I mean, like, look at that. Yeah. All the chips in a row. Um, and this is the, the slots for the peripherals. And, like, they're, you know, they're just like, hey, by the way, like, you know, here's the addresses, and here's, the, you know, it's connected to a 74 LS series um, cassette jack, and they're like, here's the impedance for it. And, um, you know, it's like very, very low level details of like, okay, you want to connect to peripheral. It's like, you know, if you're. Well, it's if open source hardware before open source hardware. <laughs> <laughs> if you're using a microcontroller, right? It's like you have your, you know, IO port, 8 bit port, and then they're like strobe it, and you have some interrupts and the IRQ and like the ready and reset lines. You know, it's it's basically the same thing. This is a beautiful drawing. I like these these connectors, the famous you know, power connector, which has plus minus 12, plus minus five. Um, power suppliers, I remember there was a couple articles. The G- Raspberry Pi, GPIO or something? Um. It's like that, but it's, you know, not quite. I think, I think it's a five volt. I think you know, the logic, I actually don't know if the logic was five volt or 12 volt. I'm assuming it's five. And then um, the memory map, and it's like, oops, made a little mistake here. So they, they redrew it. It's kind of nice that they didn't fix, you know, they didn't, they didn't clean it up. They're just like, oh, print, good print. Um, all the timing. Oh, this is a beautiful button. Look at this beautiful drawing. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Zoom in a little bit. Here. Yeah, this one's nice. Look at that. This is the peripheral bus and how it connects back and forth between the uh, the different peripherals. The video generator for full IO, onboard IO, and then oh, hold on, go down here. You can see the speaker. Neat. Yeah, and this so, is the MPU sixty five hundred two, and then uh, this is the oscillator, and they have the little crystal driver here. So this like generates all of your clocks, and you're just using some you know some some simple. Uh, 195. I don't know what that is. Like an SR latch, maybe. And then uh, the RAM counters. And this is, these are the RAM chips. So they're just like, hey, you just get a bunch of RAM chips. Yeah, and these are these are just like various little uh, counters and dividers. Here's your your RAM. Just it's just one big array. And uh, let's see. The IO port. I like that they have all the, you know, the part numbers and everything. Yeah, and it's like, here's the, here's a 553 quad timer. So um, this is how a lot of um, people are like, oh, you know, you have a joystick, right, which is a potentiometer, but then how do you connect a potentiometer to digital circuitry? Um, you use the uh, input of the potentiometer into um, a 55 five or five five three in which case is a quad timer and then the pulses that come out you measure the width of them and that tells you um what the resistance is because the capacitive is set here it's fixed capacitance and flexible resistance 
Um, then there's the speaker driver, just a simple, you know, class A with a Darlington driver and the little, yeah, I mean, it's like all very, it's, you know, it's funny. This actually would be a great, um, you know, if you're learning digital circuits these days, I know like it's all done, you know, emulator style now, but it'd be really cool for somebody to study and analyze like what's happening on each page. Like how, how are all the circuits used? Like, look at this, like 555 cursor flasher, right? They're like, okay, we're going to flash the cursor on the screen. Well, it's just, there's just a 555 that does it. And it sends a signal to the video generator. And yeah, this is just the composite out. I mean, like amazing that he got composite out um, using just like this logic level circuitry. And uh, if you look at, this is a sticker from 1978, not, not instructions, not bad quality. Um, you can, well, they use lead back then. Yeah. And you can see, you know, this is, this is where the, um, this cut is and you could we could peel this off but we're not going to do that we're going to store this in a safe place um these are very vivid colors we also wanted to kind of tell the story so if you asked like who designed that apple logo a lot of people don't know it was uh ron uh sorry rob janoff in 1977 and he was an art director at uh regis mckenna tested design a logo for steve jobs they wanted something to show it was an apple with a bite out of it you can look at the previous one it's like this newton like uh, ink drawing. It was a beautiful drawing. Yeah. yeah. The, the... And they didn't want it to be mistaken for a cherry or any other type of fruit. And they also wanted to show that it was color because that was a big deal, color screens. So, uh, yeah. But you was... see what color, and that, you know, it had like eight colors. Yeah. So, uh, continue to check out our retro um, journey. Uh, there's a lot of neat stuff in computing history. And uh, it's fun to kind of watch some of the folks. On the social media, they say, "Oh, is this, is this a rendering?" Because it doesn't seem real. It's like, what, what do you mean Apple made a you know a digital camera? Now there's yeah. you know every phone's a camera. Um, so neat stuff. And uh, look at the hashtag Marchintosh, and you can see what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of people posting cool stuff. And that is this week's retro. Okay, it's Python on Hardware Time, and we got some stuff going on. The newsletter is gigantic this week. Thank you so much, Anne, for putting in all the work that makes this, I think, the best and most popular Python yeah. on Hardware newsletter. Yes. Um, so a couple bits of news, and then we'll go into what I think is the big story this week, MicroPython support for the Raspberry Pi Pico W. It is progressing. If you want to play around with it, you can check it out. There is Bluetooth support for the PicoW and MicroPython. There's a pull request in progress, and um, there's experimental builds already Ooh. that you can play around with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you'll want to use uh, our Blue Fruit Connect if you want to like actually use it. That's one. Yeah. Of which I mean, we have a great app that implements uh, and uses the Nordic. Um, sorry, the Nordic. UART standard because BLE doesn't have a profile for UART, so like Nordic kind of made one up. Um, and it's sort of standardized because, you know, Nordic has so many chips. So um, you can use our app. It's a great free, ad-free little chat app that you can communicate back and forth. And we just updated it on Android. Um, CircuitPython 8.04 release, couple uh, updates, uh, fixes and enhancements, the printing of soft reboot message <laughs> that works now, and then some board-specific changes. Um, still have some new issues, but please check it out. Um, we're going to be doing more updates, and then we'll be releasing, of course, Probably like final, final 
um, as we... I think we're waiting on some Gifio fixes, but yes, we're getting close. Getting close. But, you know, it's whenever we do a big release like 8, there's always going to be a ton of churn right afterwards because we get so many bug reports. And we're doing a lot of work with IMX as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, unending stories. I think um, some of the neat things in the newsletter is what's going on in the community, what other uh, folks are sharing their stuff. Uh, this is a PyDog. This is a Raspberry Pi 4 running Python, and it's a dog. You can make your own little oh, dog. Make robot dog friend, not robot dog enemy. Um, this is neat. Uh, Charlotte has uh, an interview with Embedded FM. Uh, if you've seen her work, it's really great. And she's a lot of Adafruit stuff, a lot of CircuitPython too. And then um, just go through and look at all of the projects and more. It is never ending. There is something to do with Python on hardware everywhere. If you have anything that you've ever wanted to do, stop here first and just get some ideas from physical computing, interfacing with things that maybe were never meant to be interfaced with, to making your own games, to a menagerie of hardware. It's happening. And a lot of it's because of the community of folks out there producing libraries. And that's what our big news this week is. We're up to 100 libraries in the community bundle. So that means what? Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Than. Library. Than. Yeah. Ah. Um, so. Oh, they're Libras. So uh, why don't you talk about what are the community bundles? Yes. What's a community bundle? There's a hundred of them now. And then maybe you can give an example of something that's worked out really well in the community yeah. bundle. Um, so we have the main Adafruit bundle, and that's the bundle that Adafruit employees and engineers and, and people that Adafruit pays, uh, design libraries, design, sorry, write libraries for mostly our designs. Um, and it allows us to support our hardware and we kind of maintain them and keep them up to date and close PRs and issues and stuff. And then um, there's people who write libraries for CircuitPython that again, will work through Blinka with any Linux computer or even desktop computer through a USB to GPIO converter. Um, so it's like you write the library once and then it runs everywhere that CircuitPython or micro, uh, sorry, CircuitPython or CPython will run. Um, and uh, so we have like a couple hundred libraries. I don't remember how many, it's like two or 300 libraries, but then um, you know, I saw recently Seagrover put in some analog to digital converters and like some PWM generators and also um, Foamy Guy and some other community members have been working on a lot of Adafruit um, display IO, which is our display like sprite and layered base uh, graphics engine for CircuitPython, you know, adding more like um, built in devices like gauges and um, uh, gauges and um scroll bars not scroll bars but uh, slider bars uh buttons like other user interface elements um by like building up um the frame buffer image and like they just need to have their own little object and so they're kind of spitting out a lot of those graphical elements and so there's there's quite a few in the community bundle um anyone's welcome to do a pr to add um your library and there's a, there's some benefit to it you're like why would i do that um first off we will automatically uh, every time there's a new CircuitPython release, we will, um, and every night that there's a new um, release within your GitHub repo or GitLab repo, if you've pushed a version update, like if you've tagged a new version, we will um, grab that code, we'll stuff it into the zip file that you can you know, download every night that gives you all the libraries, all the examples. And then we'll also um, perform the, um, the compression, which I can't remember the name of, MP, the MPY compress. Uh, we'll run that on your code so people don't have to like do that on their own. They get like the .mpy file. 
And um, I believe also if you're using uh, you are um, uh, CPY pip, sorry, it's it's not micro pip, which is the micro Python version. It's Circup, uh, which is like an automatic um, updater for your circuit Python boards. Make sure you have the latest libraries. People will be able to get the bundle and that'll automatic, you know, like instead of going to every repo, they go to the bundle. It has everything and then they can update all their libraries at once. And it has all the um, dependency graph as well. So it's yeah. kind of just like our little way of, of making it easy for boards to automatically update themselves, um, code to know what dependencies they have. And like we make all the, the bundle very nice and pretty. So whenever I start a new project, I'll usually download the latest bundle so I can get all the latest libraries. Because I'll be yeah. like, oh, I want this, 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 this. And you, you pick and choose like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, go to or You can always get the latest uh, build for your board. And then you can also get the latest libraries that keep you up to date. And yeah. there's a lot of um, UI element, dashboard widgets, all these things for the-, the And lots of sensors. And like, you know, we don't have every sensor and device. Like people are like, I want to add this OLED display. And I'm like, I don't have that OLED display, but yeah. if you want to add a driver and you put it in the community bundle and um, yeah, it just, it kind of just kind of gets kept up to date. So it, it doesn't have as much link wrong, yeah. I think. This is the big deal. I think that the, the next chapter of microcontrollers is this where we've all spent a lot of time having the pile code that's kind of over, you can now just, you know, kind of do real time stuff. And then like, oh, like, how do I update my board? This is impossible. It's, I can never find the the latest firmware. Uh, yeah. That we made that easy. Now it's getting all the, the drivers. The and, and the community bundle is also like um, automated. Yeah. You know? So it's like we, you know, there's a human that does the final PR approval, but a lot of it is pre-checked for you and, and to make sure that everything is named correctly. And um, within not our like uh, coding standards, but just, we we look for like really obvious mistakes. We're like, hey, you like made um you have like serious a serious typo that might mean that your code has bugs. We we do have automated linters that check that for you. Yeah. So hopefully this will continue to do what it's been doing, which is getting you making things, sharing things as fast as possible. Of course, you can dig in really deep and uh, do a lot of other stuff. But this is when you want to do that project and you just want it to work and prototype fast. Great for educators. Um, you're spending more time doing instead of managing. Um, and one more thing, we have a we have a guide in the learning system on how to write libraries right. and submit to the community bundle. So if you're like, I want to do this, check out the learning system and just type in how to write CircuitPython library. It's one of the one of the guides that comes up. We deliver this newsletter every single week to your inbox. It's a separate site for daily.com. And uh, we don't harvest your emails. We don't track. We don't spam. We don't do anything like that. So um, over there if you want or you can just read on the web there's rss feed for it too all that stuff it doesn't matter we want you to get the best way to read newsletters to you uh we're an open source hardware company to prove it we put those our files we have guides we do all this stuff what's on the big board this week lady yeah, we a couple guys i think we have only like two guides this week yeah i guess because it's well i was gonna well but I'm gonna hide us yeah because we're kind of huge bye Okay, uh, we've got a super great guide from Liz. It's the play video. the MIDI controlled robot Lyra Circuit Python. She's been working on this for quite a while. Um, I just thought it'd be fun. You know, people are always like, "Oh, I want to make a robot harp." Uh, harps are really big, guys, but a lyre uh, is a small um, Mediterranean instrument that has fewer strings, and so it actually is practical to try to make a robotic version. Uh, Liz did a great job. Um, it sounds beautiful. It's, of course, MIDI controlled. 
um, and she has all the files that you can build your own. I think, you know, we've done the robot drumming machine. Uh, we did the robot metallophone and now we have the robot lyre. So we're really close to having the full robotic band. All right. Super psyched about. And uh, we have a little short video we're going to play. In this project, you'll build a robot lyre that uses MIDI controlled servo motors to pluck its strings. The robot uses a PCA9685 to drive the servo motors. It's connected over I2C to a Feather RP2040 running CircuitPython. The CircuitPython code listens for incoming MIDI messages over USB. If a note is played that matches the array, then the corresponding servo is moved. The build rests on a piece of acrylic paired with 3D printed parts. These include a cage that places the servos directly above each string, and horn extenders to pluck the strings. You can control the robot lyre with a MIDI controller via USB MIDI host, or through a DAW by configuring the robot as a MIDI output. See how you can start building your own robot band by checking out the Learn Guide at learn.adafruit.com. And some factory footage. That's what we do during the day. All right, let's do some uh, 3D printing. We have a speed up video. We're going to play that. Then we're going to jump right into INMPI and then a gigantic top secret section. So here we go.
Hi on MPI brought to you by DigiKey Adafruit. This week is Nordic. Lady Ada, what is this week? It's new product introduction. Glad you asked. Uh, this is uh, the Nordic NRF 7002. It's their first Wi-Fi chip. Very exciting. We love to cover the new stuff from Nordic. Uh, here we've covered like all the NRF uh, 52, 53, the 91 series. Um, and now they're they're kind of heading in, they're, they're charting new territory. They're going into the um, Wi-Fi chipset zone with the N7002, so 7 series, which is Wi-Fi. And um, what's interesting about this is that this is a uh, Wi-Fi like accessory chip. It does, you know, there's obviously a microcontroller of some sort inside, but you don't write code for it. Instead, you sort of load a binary blob and then you can communicate with this chip over SPI or QSPI and it does like the Wi-Fi part for you. It's um, like a Wi-Fi module, but it's just like the chip. It's very simple. It's fairly inexpensive um, and it's very powerful. It actually has a couple things going for it because um, a lot of people might be like, well, why would I use this instead of like an all-in-one Wi-Fi chip, um, like an Espressif? There, there's reasons for using the NRF 7000. We'll, we'll talk about what those could be. Um, so here's some details. Um, so uh, first thing, you know, they put, which I think is kind of the most interesting, is it does uh, two channels. It does uh, both the 2.4 gigahertz standard and the 5 gigahertz, and that's not usual. Um, most Wi-Fi modules and chipsets only support um, one you know, usually 2.4 gigahertz. Um, another thing is um, it has coexistence for like an antenna. So it will not bash over, like if, you know, it won't transmit 2.4 gigahertz data while the Bluetooth is trying to trans uh, transmit at the same time and like thus uh, collide in the air. Um, you know, you have a coexistence uh, interface pin so it knows like, okay, now I can go and then they switch off uh, turn by turn. It can, of course, act as a station or an access point for um, provisioning. Uh, it has um, uh, uh, QSPI as the interface uh, or SPI. So it can be either like very simple or very high um, bandwidth data transfer back and forth. Um, and this is, you know, this is their glamour shop. It also shows that outline is all the components that you need to run this. So you have to, you know, your standard crystal. A bunch of uh, passives looks like you know one inductor, a couple of big caps, some small caps, and that's it. It's it's very simple. It's very integrated. And then on the left you see um, there's I think an antenna switch, uh, a very low cost uh, Balin, and then you just put in your antenna, your 2.4 slash 5 gigahertz antenna, and you're good to go. Um, so the host connection, you know, as you see here, is you have the host MCU. They do target the um, NRF 53. I think the 52 and the 991 uh, cellular series at this time. Well, you know, you could use other host MCUs. I'll be honest, right now the code is really like optimized for their own. Um, you see uh, there is the SPI interface, there's the IRQ, uh, there's the buck enable, and then the coexistence interface. Um, so if your host MCU is say, you know, like I said, an NR53, you have a Bluetooth antenna, you don't want it to send data at the same time or try to receive data while the Wi-Fi is uh, transmitting because you're going to get overwhelmed with the Wi-Fi signal. It just it just has a smart coexistence, um, which is quite nice. So it's it's well suited for using with their chips. Um, you will need a pretty beefy chip. So in this case, the NR53, which I think is a Cortex M33, if I recall correctly, 
Um, and it has, you know, probably a mega flash and like a quarter meg of RAM. Um, you do have the entire Wi-Fi driver running on the NRF 53, um, including uh, the SSL stack. Um, so, you know, it's, it's non-trivial. Um, you will need to have a good amount of memory to buffer your packets, send data back and forth um, to the to the um, the chip, which has you know it has its own RX and TX buffers. But like you're you're still going to have to do quite a bit of work, so you can't you can't run this on a low grade microcontroller. Um, you'll need something probably a Cortex M zero at the least um, to connect to, through their networking stack. Uh, they do have code available um, through the SDK, which of course is really good. There's Zephyr, so that's a uh, RTOS, it's very popular. Um, I do recommend it. Uh, I'll show later that there's an example that somebody got the Zephyr version working and they have a step-by-step -step instructions on how to do it. Uh, there's also OSAL, that's like a op operating system, something layer, uh, interfacing layer. So in theory, you could port this to other platforms um, if you wish, but again, a lot of people so far have been using um, either, uh, they've basically, basically been using Zephyr within the NRF SDK. Um, so it's interesting like this is because you're like, okay, you know, like there's a separate chip and like, what's the deal? Why didn't they just make like a chip with one of their ARM Cortex cores inside? Um, but it reminded me a lot of the NRF, uh, 8001. So the NRF 8001 is, for those who remember, was Nordic's like first Bluetooth chip. Again, like eight Bluetooth one first. And this was an SPI. Uh, you can see the SPI pins at the bottom to BLE converter chip. And this was like actually kind of like the first chip that allowed you to do something like this. Uh, previous Nordic had been doing like the NRF um, 24 series, which is a 2.4 gigahertz. And then they were like, we're so good at 2.4 gigahertz. So let's go and do Bluetooth LE. And so they did Bluetooth LE. And we, you know, there's books, I think that are even published about using this module. Um, one of the nice things about it, it was simple enough that you could um, connect it up to something like an Arduino. Uh, we have a bunch of projects. Uh, this is like an ancient project where, you know, you wire this up um, to an Arduino. Uh, I think it was Arduino Nano or, or Pro Micro. I don't remember exactly what that board is some neopixels and you can control it through our app Pro micro because i think that's the one that we helped uh we were credited on helping design it yeah they're doing a micro yeah. right sorry it's it's been it's it's been a it was hot a minute it's been a lifetime it's been a long time um and you know it's funny it's like you can have 20 characters um because i think that's the limit of the packet size that you could send through the nrf 8000 i mean we could have had multiple packets but it was you know that was the limitation it's a very early implementation of bluetooth low energy um, but this, you know, this was how you basically use Nordic stuff to connect to BLE. And then they very quickly um, updated it and created the NRF51, which was a Cortex-M0 with like, I think, 16K of RAM. Very minimal, but, you know, just enough RAM that you could run the their Bluetooth stack, um, the soft device. On this Cortex-M0, you could program it. It was like standalone. There was code that you could run that used the built-in Bluetooth interface. And then, you know, after the NR51, they improved it with the NR52, uh, which is a Cortex. Um, I think that was when they went to the M3 or M4. Cortex uh, 52840, which is an M4, and now the 53. So it's it seems like their natural progression is to start with the SPI separate interface, and then they build up. And then I, I have, you know, I don't work for Nordic. I can't speak to them. But it seems reasonable to me that they're going to um, update their design for the NRF 
uh, 7002 and eventually make a version that has an arm cortex inside, which would be really cool because um, Nordic is really, really good at low power, well-documented, stable API chipsets, peripherals. Like they, their stuff is very high quality, um, very low power, and um, they have they have very good support for their API layers. They have like lots of very um, smart engineers that work for them. And so, um, you know, even though you, you can get cheaper Bluetooth chips than Nordic, you can't get better ones, right? So um, I think it is interesting that they're, you know, when they're, their approach to getting into the Wi-Fi space is to um, go with something like that has dual uh, bands and has like this really cool interface. And it's very, like, it's a very fully featured advanced chip. Um, and then they'll probably start integrating it afterwards. Um, there's also a development kit. Uh, so this features uh, on the right, you can see there's the NRF 7000. And then above that, I think is the NRF 53. Um, and then uh, there's the native USB above it. And then to the left, there's kind of the Arduino mega-ish pinout zone. All the pins are brought out on the NRF 53. Because uh, remember that the 7002 is just acting as a peripheral. Um, you can connect like shields and stuff to it. And there's a, um, a Sager J-Link uh, interface for debugging. So this is kind of their dev kits. They're fairly inexpensive. Um, then you can see there's uh, two antennas. There's a 2.4 gigahertz and a 5 gigahertz as well as RF test points. Um, yeah, here it goes. Sager debugger, debug ports, uh, built-in current measurements, capability um, 5340 SOC, antennas, antennas, and uh, so you can also test the um, coexistence stuff with that. Um, I also, you know, just kind of peeked around. It, it, this chip is quite new. Like, really, I think they just put them in stock. Um, I did see uh, Fanstel um, is going to be releasing modules. So this could be kind of nice because you just pop it on, connect it to SPI, and, like, this is ready to go. Uh, so you can have, um, you know, gigahertz band. And I do think that, you know, you can use the NR5253 or 91, but it'll probably get ported to other chips as well. So your IMX series, maybe your RP2040, uh, could all take advantage of this. Um, and DigiKeys carries the fan still module. So when they exist, I'm sure DigiKeys is going to stock them. Um, there's also a couple blog posts that I checked out, weren't too bad. There's the um, you know step-by-step -step instructions on how to uh, implement MQTT with the NRF50, NRF. Uh, 7002 on that DK. Um, they also have a, a nifty um, provisioner app. So because they're kind of expecting you to run this on their cellular or Bluetooth um, uh, capable chipsets as like the host controller, you can then use their provisioner and like they have like quick code that you, you know, just kind of link in. And now you can um, put in the Wi-Fi credentials for like a device for a product via the the BLE and it kind of all happens all magically um so you don't have to write that part of your your code but you take advantage of like oh wait. instead of doing the access point thing which you can do but I find very annoying um you can use bluetooth instead and then finally um I did, did see also Goliath which is a uh friends the fruit uh and they have a um, IoT service uh they did a really nice step-by-step -step tutorial on using Zephyr um, with the NRF 7002 connecting to their uh, API and then doing uh, remote procedure calls back and forth to your main board. So um, then it didn't look too bad. It was like, oh, you just have to clone Zephyr and then you run it. It's, it's very advanced. It's a very powerful uh, programming system and uh, debug framework. Available on DigiKey. Yes.
And so they're in stock, although it didn't load look like. But um there were five thousand in stock earlier. Press refresh that Um but uh there were five thousand in stock, uh, a couple bucks a piece. Uh and the valboards are not in stock yet, but they will be soon. All right, and they have a short video. We're gonna play that and then we're gonna jump right into top secret, which we have a bunch of stuff, and then get to your questions. Hi, let me introduce you to Nordic's first Wi-Fi solutions. The NF7002 Dual Band Wi-Fi 6 Companion IC and the NF7002 Development Kit. Finally available for anyone to start developing. The NF7002 is Nordic's first Wi-Fi product. It is a Wi-Fi 6 Companion IC, adding Wi-Fi connectivity to a host processor. As with all of our products, our focus for the NF7002 was on what we do best, low-power wireless. It takes advantage of the new low-power features introduced in Wi-Fi 6. Target wake time allows the client device using the NF7002 to negotiate a wake-up schedule with the access point it is connected to. This gives you excellent control over the responsiveness and power consumption of your Wi-Fi devices. Orthogonal Frequency Division Multiple Access, or OFDMA, divides up the channel bandwidth to allow multiple devices access simultaneously. A Wi-Fi channel can be divided into several subcarriers. This is super useful for dense deployments with many devices that don't need to send too much data, like sensor arrays. Not all current Wi-Fi networks out there are Wi-Fi 6 capable. That's why we've made the NF7002 backwards compatible with older standards. This enables you to build a device that can be implemented into most existing networks. For similar reasons, we also made the NF7002 dual-band capable, supporting 2.4 and 5 GHz. This gives the advantage of higher 5 GHz speeds and the less congested band or use the 2.4 GHz for better range. In summary, this enables you to build versatile products that integrate into most Okay, we're going to go right into top secret. So we're going to play some of the videos that we've been doing late at night. And these are all stuff that's coming out. Some of it is like real time. And then we're going to go into three new board designs that you just sent over. These are hot, hot off the press. So here we go. Hey, lady, what is this? This is an IntelliKeys USB. This is an accessibility board. Um, and what we're going to try to do is get it working with our USB host feather with the RP2040, where it's a very low cost feather that has USB host built in. And what's something that's really interesting, but so we'll do a couple of videos, but it uses these custom overlays. So this is a touchpad. And then you have different overlays that have different capabilities. And it knows which overlay you just inserted. So you see these like little black marks here, like on the other side, it has, this one has like three marks. Inside here are some photocells that can detect which overlay got inserted. So like when this gets in, like so, it goes beep. Hold on, if it goes beep. And then if you see on my notepad as I type, Wow, this works. Yeah, except I can't type very well. 
but um, those are custom overlay makers that you can do. So this is kind of neat. It's like a very useful accessibility tool. Um, thanks to AT makers who uh, made a driver and also um, let us know how cool it would be if this was able to work on a device that's just you know pre-assembled, ready to go, plug and play. Because the um, internal chip in here, you might be wondering why can't you just use it now? You can on Windows 10, but it has a special chip inside, it's like the Cypress Easy USB family, that downloads firmware when it connects over USB, which means that basically, since this isn't made anymore, um, it's really hard to get this working with modern operating systems like you know, Windows 10 or Mac. It's not gonna work with devices like iOS or Android or Chrome that don't have the special firmware downloader. So this is gonna be like a little HID remapper type thing where it's going to detect that IntelliKeys is plugged into here, download the firmware in and then turn it into a normal keyboard. So this will just look like a regular keyboard with all of the overlay stuff working. So hopefully coming soon to the blog. All right, Lady, what is this? We are testing out uh, some new feathers here. This is our RP2040 Bones board, RP2040 basic with USB-C buttons, eight megabytes of flash. And in the space left over, we've got an RFM69 module. This could also be a uh, LoRaWAN module, sorry, a LoRa module that can run LoRaWAN stack on the RP2040, but this is just a plain RFM69. We've got a spot for a wire antenna, a UFL antenna connector, so it's good for uh, connecting larger antennas, a SemiQT, and I've got another one over here, and uh, if you back up a little bit, you'll see um, when I press the button on one, it uh, appears on the other one, so hold on, I'll, I'll fold this over. And then I press the button on here, it sends the message over. So they're communicating with each other and I also get the signal strength, which is a good way for me to test that my antennas are working. So all are good. Next up, I'm going to try Laura. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? This is a new feather. This is the RP2040 e-ink feather. So we took our bones file, which is you know an RP2040 with eight megabytes of flash and a STEM IQT. And in a little space over to the right, instead of a radio module or um, DVI connector, we've got uh, the circuitry for e-ink display. So um, the ink displays kind of all use the same 24 pin, pin connector, which means that this can you know drive displays from like one inch diagonal to you know seven and a half inch diagonal. Cause again, they all use the same pinout. Um, nice beefy power supply here and all the circuitry you need. Um, and then it's connected to the eight extra GPIO pins that are not brought out on the feather. Um, so you get the SPI, you get um, the chip select, reset, all that good stuff, and a power pin for the NeoPixel so it can be used in low power mode. So um, I think it'll be good for standalone e-ink projects coming soon to the Adafruit shop. Hey, Lady Ada, what is this? This is a prototype of our RP2040 USB host feather. And now you're probably saying, hey, you know, the RP2040 only has one USB port. Well, not if you bit bang USB host with PIOs. Uh, and we've got that added to teeny USB. Uh, and over here, this inductor is part of a five volt boost converter, which means you'll be able to run off a battery as well, which could be kind of neat. You got STEM IQT, eight megabytes of flash, all the buttons and crystals, and yeah, you got it a port there and then what we're running is the HID device report which is an example in TNUSB so when I plug in this SNES like joystick thingy 
you'll see over there the report and you can even see like as I press the buttons different bits go on and off so this is receiving HID keyboard or mouse data just fine ready for some future projects soon in the Adafruit shop how cool is that all right lady Ada what is this um, I'm testing out a new feather bones board I made that is specifically designed for e-ink displays. So it's got RP2040, battery backup, buttons, and uh, stomach UT, and the little area here is the e-ink driver circuitry, and I'm testing it out with two displays. One is you know, your everyday 2.13 inch tricolor display, and it's working nicely there. And then this one is a cool 5. 6.5-inch, seven-color ASEP display. So these displays um, have seven different colors, red, yellow, white, green, black, violet, something else that I'm orange. Um, and so this is, we have some art from Bruce that uh, has some cool eight different characters. This one just takes a really long time to update. Um, but, you know, as normal e-ink goes, once it's been updated, um, you can remove the power and it stays on. So that's kind of neat. Like so. All right, Lady Data, what is this? This is Canception. Um, we've got this new board we're going to put in the store. This is a CAN bus transceiver. Uh, it uses the TJ1051, which is a nice high speed CAN transceiver from. Uh, NXP and uh, you got like an on off switch for the termination and here it is. So you could use this with a board that has native CAN like this um, ESP32-S2 and then to test it I want to have like another CAN device that it talks to so I've got a Feather M4 CAN here uh, and every time the LED blinks it's sending a message over the CAN bus lines and then I press this down and it says okay I've received the message on the secondary you know if it's it's connecting to the native can on here. It says I've received the message from the um, Feather M4 and I'm even powering it from the same board. Uh, so it makes for a very quick test for this transceiver. Very nice, in the shop very soon. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? This is a new product we're about to put in the shop. It's our CAN bus feather wing that features the MCP2515, which is an SPI CAN controller, and then there's a CAN transceiver on here as well. Um, you're supposed to use this with any of our feathers, even ones that don't have native CAN controllers in them, to connect to and send receive data on a CAN bus. Um, some devices like this Metro ESP32-S2 have native CAN, and so we're actually kind of doing a thing where it tests itself by having the native CAN talk to one of our CANPAL transceivers, which then connects to the pads over here on the CAN Featherwing. And so one CAN bus goes through SPI, one goes through native, and they send messages back and forth. And when they beep, you know that data was sent successfully back and forth. So this board is fully tested and ready to go in the shop to add to your next feather project. All right, Lady, what is this? Um, one of the things I've been showing off lately is how we're using this RP2040 to um, program ESP32 modules and chips um, very quickly. So this is our Wi-Fi uh, airlift that uses an ESP32. And I used to use a Raspberry Pi computer to program the ESP32 using ESP tool, um, but thanks to the really good code from TAC that um, pre-compresses with gzip the file. It's actually quite fast to um, burn the Nina firmware uh, over UART this time, two megabits per second. 
it does MD5 check. And then the last verification is to make sure that this ESP board is working well, we over SPI ask it to scan the Wi-Fi and verify that it sees um, the Adafruit access point. And if it does, it does a little rainbow dance over here so that we know that it's passed test. So this new version of the Airlift Featherwing with Stomach UT is coming to the shop soon. Data, what is this? This is a tester for the upcoming product number 5710, which is the DVI Feather to just update this board, which came without a silk screen. Um, but new PCs will come in and uh, here's the board under test. And what's neat is we're using our own five inch HDMI display as the DVI output test. So this Pico loads over USB the UF2 to do the test as a GPIO test. And then, hey, check that out. The test okay symbols uh, uh, signal appears on the DVI display. So that's how we know that the HDMI is working. Um, so this tester is pretty fast. Eight seconds to load all the firmware and do the DVI output test on the GPIO. So pretty happy with this. It'll be in the store soon. All right, and then you've got some boards. Yeah, I decided, um, I'm, I'm kind of getting back to some designs from a couple of years ago. So this is a DWM, um, this is a ultra wideband uh, chipset module. They're not cheap, but like they kind of do one thing that no other modules do, which is indoor positioning, which is really hard to do. Um, so this, uh, that's the module kind of above your head. And yeah, this design was from 2020 or 2021. And then, yeah, we couldn't fabricate it because we couldn't get modules, but the modules are available again. Um, so this is the Featherwing version. And then the next thing is, uh, this is the Feather RP2040 version. So there's like a little bit of space over there where, you know, we'd have the DVI port or ink connector or whatever. Um, so I just stuck that module instead. And the antenna hangs over, but that's okay because you actually want to have the antenna unimpeded. It's not unusual to see them hang off of boards um, because they give the better, the, uh, you want like a lot of empty space around it so you can get clear signal from the other uh, nodes to do that pinpoint uh, locations. Uh, this is the 16-bit um, uh, I2C DAC chip. So we have like a couple 12-bit DACs in the shop. But let's say you want more bits because you're like, I want really precision analog output. Um, this is a nice analog devices uh, chip that does a 16-bit output. Uh, it has a built-in temperature compensated uh, 2.5 volt reference as well. And that is the gigantic amount of top secret we did this week. Whew, got so that. much. Okay, we um, lined up some questions. We're going to do this and then we're going to bounce. Like I said, this week was all about retro and top secret because we want to get through all those. So next week will be double plus new products. Yes. Uh, okay, they're lined up here, Lady Ada. I'll answer some of okay. these. You can do these. Uh, first one, does anyone make breadboards with more columns? No, they don't. Um, it's there's a standard uh, breadboard style. What you can do, though, is they snap together. So you can take two half-sized ones and you snap them together sideways. And then, like, it's kind of like you have more space. I'll answer this one. Wide. Um, oh, you know, anyone can ask about Adabox status in the chat. So he's okay. Um, the times that it's frustrating is when, you know, we'll let someone know, hey, like, here's the status. And they're like, no, I demand it to be sooner. It's like we've been in a chip shortage. Um, but the latest is we have our prototypes, we have the redesign, and we just need time. <laughs> so we have, have to, to get. yeah, we just have like, you know, 5,000 or so that we have to uh, prepare and get out. 
So we're still hoping that it's in spring. It's spring now. New York is starting to get warmer. Yeah, I'm working. I work on the Yeah, we have the uh, prep for the boxes that they all go in. That's all done. That's all done. And uh, there's no reason it won't go out. I guess that's good no, news. No, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, over the last year or so, there was lots of reasons it just couldn't go out. There wasn't, there wasn't parts. So anyways, um, it's a good one. And it's still shipping. As soon as we know, like, hey, it's four or five or six weeks out, we're going to let everyone know because we have a lot of work to do. There's credit cards that expired because um, it's an authorization. People have moved addresses. So we're going to spend a lot of time making sure if you're a subscriber that it's getting to you. Next up, um, I usually see PCB designs as two or four layer. I know there are boards with more layers, but curious if there's any limitations on the maximum number of layers a PCB can have beyond manufacturing costs and complexity. I've seen 16 layer. I think they can go up to 20 layer. I mean, what would it, what would that be for? Um, you know, motherboards, you know, where you want to have like a 32 bit bus and it has to be like all, you know, you don't want to have anything in the way and you want to get from one you would have A to B. Multiple layers. Multiple layers, lots of ground planes, um, RF boards will have a lot of layers. Anything tightly packed cell phones, obviously, are going to have you know, yeah. easily eight to 20 layers okay. um, without question. But it's the, the cost goes up quite a bit and the yield goes down. It's harder to make sure that the, the job, you know, it's hard to know what's going on each layer. Um, make sure that they're all aligned. So, you know, I stick to two layers, sometimes four layer. For the uh, the cutie pies, I'll do four layer because it's just, they w won't fit. You have to double sided design. And yeah, the, yeah, the parts. Here, are here's a question that someone could try to, you could use like a, a web search engine or a, a, a chat yeah. GPT, uh, a chat PCB. Um, maybe you someone use your 20th anniversary math. Yeah. No, someone could uh, maybe look up. If there's any place where someone has said, oh, this this had the most layers of a PCB, most like layers. most layers. Like a layer. military application problem too. You'll never, like the stealth, like the stealth bomber probably has multiple layers. Well, I don't know. Sometimes you'd be surprised. Sometimes they have requirements like it has to be inspectable, right? And you can't yeah. really inspect it easily. If it has too many layers. There has to be something like that. Someone knows somewhere. Okay. Uh, what happens to your prototype boards once they've been turned into a physical product? Uh, the green ones, where do they go? Do they have, do you have a special bin? Um, well, sometimes they work. And if they work um, and they're like the final version, um, they get used as the tester, like, you know, the, to test, test the tester. So we call them golds. Uh, and what's nice is they're green, so they don't get mixed with the regular stock. And so we use them to verify that the tester still functions before we do a PCB yeah. run. And then sometimes I just keep them in my bins and sometimes during, I, I use them for something. During COVID when there is, well, it's still COVID, but d d during the different forms of COVID with uh, shutdowns and stuff, we had to um, use green PCBs. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't get other colors. Okay, last question of the night. Uh, typical boards have a cuttable trace if you want to do something like disable L LED on the board. Um, do you see ultra mini switches becoming small and cheap enough to allow for faster change or to avoid resoldering? That's an interesting idea. I've seen them and like I'm I'm a little mixed because uh they can be damaged. Um, you know, they're susceptible to uh water or moisture and they'll they'll oxidize. So I'm not a huge fan of switches, especially for something where I'm not if I don't feel like in the normal use of it, you're gonna go back and forth. Okay. I'll answer this one from the other chat uh chat because we've said uh, probably before. Um uh, Circuit Playground Express RP twenty forty, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Probably. And I think Okay. That is it. Thanks, everybody. Show for tonight. Thank you so much, everybody. This has been an Adafruit production. We appreciate all of your help and support and all the things. Don't forget the code is Redbook. Yes. For this Redbook. <laughs> um, and uh, 
we'll see everybody next week. Special thanks to Jesse May behind the scenes, especially to our team. Thank you to the Red Book. Our uh, customers, our community, everyone for helping this thing go. And uh, congrats to all of us working on this circuit python thing 100 libraries libraries yeah community bundle here is your moment of zener good night everybody <laughs>